everyone, and welcome down to episode 40 of the Down South Woo-hoo. Photo Show uh, with me in sunny, nah, sunny, no, nah, it was like, it was, wasn't too bad today, Ocean Grove, yep. Brendan Waits, and my good mate down in Tasmania, Hobart Town, Cam Blake. Hello, Cam. G'day, Brendan Waits. How are you today? Yeah, good. I've got my cup of tea. You've got your cup of Ilford. My cup of Ilford tea, and now it's... There, um, there's a blast from the past. I wonder how many viewers know what Ilford did. Hmm. Hmm. Probably a few. I reckon there'll be a few. They're all pretty um, old. <laughs> Aren't start. we all? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're, we've turned 40. We've made 40 episodes. 40? How good's that? that? That's um, almost a year's worth of recording. Well, we're getting up there. Um, episode what's 40. Yeah. So what's that? When did we start? June something last year? Something yeah, like that. 40, anyway. episode, 40 episodes ago. Look, who, who'd have thought that we'd even get this far? Who'd have thought we'd get to 10? Well, I think if you look back and read, uh, watch the very first episode, I think we may say something along the lines that we won't even get the double figures. Yeah. But joke's on us. Yeah, well, that's right. We're at yeah. 40. We're at 40. Um, so what uh, I was really taken with your background. I think it's really cool. Um, yeah. Well, before you do that, you need to thank all those subscribers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening so far over the last 39 episodes and uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel. And also, uh, interestingly enough, uh, our podcast has now been downloaded close to 3,000 times over different platforms, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Um, yeah, just building. I think it's really cool that we're building uh, a community here. Yes, I think it is feeling a lot more community-based than just getting flogged online based isn't it like we're sort of yeah. getting we're getting a bit more of a really nice little family of listeners yeah yeah um, it is good we, 200 we have 255 of them uh subscribers, uh, subscribers on, YouTube. on youtube yes that's right that's um and i don't know how we can work out um actual numbers who listen to the pod but uh thank you for listening yeah, um it's awesome i know that we have now got some listeners in new zealand and we oh. have yeah but going so, by this the so stats. we can't we can't do any new zealand jokes of course we can. It's our show. We can do it <laughs> exactly. We do whatever we want. Yes. So thanks to everyone who's um, supported the, the show and the, the channel mm. this far. You'll notice I am wearing the Down South Photo Show hoodie. Yeah, it looks good um, on you. Most things do. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not, not short of any mosty there. <laughs> no. Uh, so thank you, Cam, for sending no me. No worries. Thank you. What do I owe you for this, mate? Uh, no, nah, a beer when you come down to nice. Tassie to play some okay. golf. Done. Sounds like a great so idea. By the time you come down, beer will be based on inflation. That'll be about 150 bucks a pint, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Look, and, and <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> never mind the cost of the fuel to get there. Um, yeah. I would like to give a very, very special shout out to Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Hope you're G'day, doing Chelsea. Well. Did she call you as well about being mentioned in the show? Well, I don't, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Hi, Chelsea. There you go. Hi, Chelsea. Again. Chelsea so, gets message, gets plenty is this, of. Um, is the Chelsea as in as as in at Chel Maybell? That's in, the one. That one. The one, one and the same. Wow, I can't believe she rang you and said she wanted a shout out too. Because well, funnily enough, she said to me the other day that we don't shout out enough for her. Okay. Um, I don't even know if she listens. Uh, actually, I do know if she listens. I'm going to embarrass her because her and her husband. This is going to get weird on everyone. Just okay. picture this. Okay. Her and her husband sit in bed and watch every episode when it comes out together okay. in bed. Okay. okay. So we're mm. like, mm. like, yeah, anyway, I don't know where we are with that, but does that no, make you I feel think, uncomfortable? Should we just go to podcast only? Like, mm, Maybe. Yeah. yeah I, think, the- <laughs> uh, I think, anyway, hi, hi Chels. Hope and you're that, 
and, you and, and sorry, folks, that's enough of the in-jokes. We won't do any more of those. Yeah. Um, let's talk backgrounds, Cam. I, as yes. I said, I was quite taken with your background. I think it's pretty cool. I like, yeah. obviously, the iconic Cradle Mountain in the background. That way. Yes. Yeah, so this, um, speaking of Chelsea, hey, hey Chelsea, here you go. Um, so speaking of Chelsea, I actually went to Cradle Mountain for a quick trip. I had a friend uh, also... Uh, uh, not Chelsea, she's Cheryl. She came with Chelsea and I. Uh, Cheryl's from WA. Um, she flew all the way over just to come and do photos of our forest and fungi and fagus that's at Cradle. So we thought we'll go to Cradle for a couple of nights. It's probably the best spot in Tassie to get a bit of everything. And we, we ended up doing not much fungi and not much forest and lots of this kind of stuff because we just had really good conditions, really. We had foggy mornings and we had a really, really cool Last morning up there, we, we went up to this lookout and we were above the clouds looking down at Cradle Mountain. Um, so this is the new boardwalk that's uh, getting made. There's a brand new viewing platform, a viewing shelter at the end of uh, Dove Lake where the car park used to be, for those who know Cradle Mountain. Um, so that's getting made now. So they've sort of bypassed, put some new boardwalks in, uh, and this is walking down to the lake. So it's a little bit different if you haven't been there for a few years. Uh, and we've got a beautiful old pencil pine uh, on my what is it my left my right whatever it is and cradle mountain with a bit of snow on the other side so yeah how good does cradle look when it gets that little dusting of snow yeah it's a and if you've ever been there you probably haven't in regards to being totally under snow um no. if you if you get a big dumping there this place is just off the charts beautiful yeah it just doesn't get any better so but you a little liked a bit of dusting that little bit of last afternoon light sort of clips the side of the peaks yeah. And uh, yeah, this is taken on the Olympus OM1. I'm going to plug it again, nice. handheld, handheld for about a second because you can see the river this side is running. Yep. Um, handheld, no problems. You, you, have, you have got water blur there. It looks great. And, and yeah. I really like the uh, that tree there just above the flying water. It's mm. got, it really stands out. The the grey yeah. tonal range in the, in the branches there looks yeah. excellent against the, the green foliage. They're very ancient trees and very photogenic trees. So they're really cool. So, yeah. And you've got, uh, is that the shot that you stopped to and turned around because you saw the... Speaking of trees, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, mm. So this is the one that's got the sheep at the end. There you go. Look, uh, oh, yeah. The other sheep. That's cool. Yeah, I, I really... Uh, oh, and there's an old trailer there too. That's okay. Um, yeah, so this was Dalesford last week mm. and... Uh, yeah, it was the, that was the moment where I was driving along, did the double take and basically jammed on the anchors and spun yeah. around. And I, I think um, this is was off, wasn't what we're going to talk about tonight, but I think uh, it's really... You mean we're going off script? Just for saying different. <laughs> A top tip for landscape photographers is I think if, if, it, if you can help but don't give up an opportunity. Um, yeah. I understand that sometimes we're on schedules and things like that, and uh, it's sometimes impossible to stop. Yeah. But if you are out and about, you know, looking for photos, don't 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 say, "Oh, there'll be something else up the road." Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a that's that's a that's a deadly mistake, isn't it? It is. It, 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 all the yeah. time, I re, I have photographers regret because, uh, in fact, coming back from Dalesford, um, I sort of wound my way back to Balan, but. Oh, via Trentham, and it's a really beautiful road, actually. Yeah. Not not far from Bacchus Marsh in that area. Um, there's the Lerdederg State Park. Anyway, I, I found myself sort of driving over a bit of a range and I looked out to the right, and the light was just capturing, just catching all these gum trees that were mm. 
solo gum trees in these paddocks. And I went, yeah, that's awesome. I'm stopping. There was a car right behind me, nowhere safe to pull off. So I sort of kept going a bit further, yes. bit further, bit further and gave up on it. And yeah, I, I hate that scenario. I've been in that scenario so many yeah. times. It's like, oh, that's a shot. Got to stop. Yeah. And, you, and it's always someone behind you and they're, you can tell that they're not really going to stop in time if you pull over. Yeah. And you, are you going to be inconveniencing them? And yeah, but, but you're right. Um, I just got back tonight from this, another session. I was teaching this uh, 12 year old, 13 year old yeah. guy, a little kid, boy, kid, whatever you want to call him. Um, yeah. Oscar. Hey, Oscar. I don't think he's listening, but if he is, how are you going? Um, but we spoke tonight about compositions and just sitting on compositions. I actually gave him a lend of one of my Peter Dombroska's books and said, hey, just have a look at that and, and look at what he did. He sat there for sometimes hours um, trying to get these shots. So you're right. Sometimes it's worth just sitting on a shot, waiting for it to work. And um, usually I reckon on, on the law of averages, you generally get away with a good shot if you put that little bit of effort in. So um, question yeah. about your uh, background there. And this is something else I came across today. I was skimming around YouTube and came across uh, one of these things that every landscape photographer must not forget tools or tips you know even one of those yep. there's about six thousand of those every week one of those really clickbaity tile titles. that's yeah. the one yeah. uh it, it was from james is it popus 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 james popus yep. yes um no it wasn't it was from someone else ignore that okay. that was a, that was something different um <laughs> well we gave him a shout sure. out sure. um no it was about using a telephoto lens in your landscape shots now yes. the shot behind you Yes. Have you shot? That's not obviously a wide angle. It looks like you've shot it maybe at sort of 50 mil or 80 mil or something like that. Or um, from wide. memory, this is shot actually with, uh, no, th I think this was actually shot on my 10 to 20, but at the 20 at, mil at end. At 20, right. So um, you, but I also then immediately ripped off that lens and put on my 150 to 600 to go right yeah. in. I've actually yeah. got a couple of shots of the sheep at the end there sitting under the trees. and So these, um, these trees must come pretty close to the road then? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so right, I'm, cool. I'm literally standing right on the fence. There's a yep. fence, like a barbed wire fence right in front of me. Um, yeah, okay. But when I went to the Valley of the Elms that I showed you last week. Yeah. Um, what a great name. Yeah, well, I don't know if I just made that up. I, oh. It should be it should be called that if <laughs> it's awesome. already. Yeah, um, awesome. <laughs> uh, I used the telephoto a lot, and um, and that was uh, mainly to do that thing, finding a landscape within a landscape. What an amazing segue! That was what we were going to talk a little bit about tonight as well. It is. You're ahead of the schedule, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, I, I really enjoy doing that. And, and I think I, I, I tapped into it last week and that was um, immersing yourself, immersing yeah. oneself within yes. the landscape. And, and using a telephoto lens allows you to do that. Like it, it really gives you um, a way better perspective. So you can, mm -hmm. you can isolate really small portions of your environment when you're using a telephoto zoom. So folks, telephotos are not just for wildlife no. or sport and that sort of stuff they're also very very handy in a landscape environment are we going to open we're going to open that up a bit more in, the, in our topic no, is we that what we're going to talk about now is it we can talk about it now that's totally okay. fine I'm, I'm happy to talk about it now i think, I think we've done enough shout outs have we do we shout out to chelsea we can uh who's that oh sure yeah we did oh we can come yeah. back to chelsea we'll talk yeah, about right, more about cool. chelsea later Why not? yeah <laughs> i reckon we're gonna i reckon we're gonna have to hashtag chelsea i see how many hits we get yeah so when we talk about finding a landscape within a landscape, well, it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you can even see that image behind mm. me. Yeah. Um, you know, you could 
you can zoom into this area. Sorry for people who are listening and not visual, but jump on our YouTube channel and have a look. See, yeah. um, I could quite easily zoom into this area here where you can see a lone sheep here under a tree, yeah. which I did actually, um, and capture a really isolate all that color and stuff and get rid of a lot of distractions by using mm. a telephoto lens to zoom right in. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I find it's really cool just having the lens up to your eye and just hunting. Yeah. Uh, it's hunting for those compositions that, uh, a screamingly obvious through a wide angle lens, but not yeah. so with a telephoto lens. Where, as I say, where you can get iso subject isolation and also subject separation by using yeah. zoom. So rather than using uh, low aperture values, which we might not all have 300 mm f 2.8 lenses, we might have, like I've got right beside me here, oh, a 150 Easy. to, thank you, a, one, a 150 to 600. Um, what is that? Mm, compensating is it, for much? Is it? Is it Sigma? That's all we do, isn't it? Is compensate? Uh, I, 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 I use. I, here we go. I use very small camera systems. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yes. Um, I don't even. I, I can't even believe that. I don't know if that's a Sigma or a Tamron. That's how. That's just say it on the front, wouldn't it? No, it actually doesn't. I think it's actually a Tamron. I, this is this is how. Yeah, it's Tamron, 150 to 600. This is how a gear unconscious I am. Mm, like, clearly. seriously, I, I don't care what brand it is. I don't care what model you've got. I don't care if you think your camera's better than someone else's camera. It doesn't matter as long as you no. have a camera and you're that's out right. taking photos. That's, Absolutely. that's the key. Yeah. Well, you're 100% right with the landscapes within landscapes. Something I teach heavily as well is I find these days now, even tonight, teaching Oscar as well. We're talking about looking at foregrounds and things like that. But I find now that I either look in the very immediate foreground for something interesting, or I look into the background of the scene to see exactly what you said, see that little landscape within the landscape. So every, every year, and this is a good little test for people. If you use Lightroom, I go pretty much every six months, every 12 months, I look through my Lightroom catalog before I completely ruined it a couple of months ago, but yes. I, look, I look through my Lightroom catalog that was, and I'd, I'd sort, you can actually sort by what aperture you've used, what camera you've used, what lenses, all that focal length, all that kind of stuff. And over the last few years, I've sort of narrowed it down to what my most popular focal lengths are for my work. One of them, I've only got, I've only got like two real popular ones. One's around about 24 mil, uh, sometimes a bit wider. And the other one religiously is 200 mil. And I sh I've been, I shoot 200 mil into landscapes so much. And you're hundred percent right. Cause it just isolates that, that little bit of gold that you can see in the shot, you know, you could, you could isolate this tree only, you know, you could isolate the mountain or the little glow on the mountain up there. Um, there's so much that you could actually do. Uh, look here, I'll even show you, look, watch this. Hey. There you go. So yes. that, so you can isolate just those sections on your own. So I always have my, my, with my Olympus system, I have the 40 to 150 mil, which is a 80 to 300. And I love it because you, you just, you know, and you start teaching your eye to look further into scenes. You just don't get that big, oh, wow, look at that, everything. You start looking at, look at that little bit of light on the mountain or look at that sheep under the tree or, and it works perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's really cool. I, it just gives you, as you say, way more options. So when, yeah. you, when you're out there, you're not just, as I say, you know, people default to wide, which I do. I mean, I, yeah. I, the first thing I do when I get to a place anywhere, beach, uh, yeah, you know, this this place at Dales. And, and you, you know why though? I've just thought of something. You know why people go to wide angle because the lens is smaller and it fits in your bag. True. So people put it back on. Now, not many people stash their camera away with that big lens that you've got. No. 
they put it away with their wide angle. So the first thing they pull out, pull out is a wide angle. So you're naturally just going to start shooting wide angle when you get somewhere, aren't you? Yeah, I think that's got something to do with it. But also the wide angle mimics the human's peripheral vision as well. So when you when you go to a, a location and you have a, you know, you see it like, you know, big and you want to put a camera up to your eye and cover that field of view. Yeah. And yeah, sure. As I say, that's probably your starting point. And I think this is why it's important when you're doing landscape photography in particular to try and do it on your own because yeah. then you're under no time pressure. You can swap out lenses, yeah. um, you know, even to the point where I, I would, my in a perfect world, I wouldn't swap lenses. I'd just have two bodies. Yeah, and that, that's very common. And a zoom. Yeah, yeah that, that's very common. And um, one of my guests from the East Coast had that. She had one body uh so yeah one body with the bigger lens and one body with the, the wider angle lens and it, yeah. again and you can almost identically set up the cameras in regards to settings and raw files and all that kind of stuff yeah uh and it just me and they're the same camera so you're not compromising quality or resolution or anything like that um so and it, it's another good way you know again if you've got the means and, and ability to buy two camera bodies but it also allows you to really minimize dust getting in your camera from changing lenses if you're in a really crappy situation yeah. and things like that and um, but yeah, you're right. Like I've got, I've got another, I haven't thought about these examples, but I've just had them here. I've loaded them up. So we did another shoot, um, up at Cradle Mountain and you can see there's Cradle Mountain behind me there somewhere. There we go. <laughs> yep. So that's a shot from this little lookout we did at the end. So we had this inversion of cloud. Fantastic. And I, again, I rocked up with my wide angle. I went, how good is this? This is incredible. Look, they've got fog here, tree here, this mm. little mountain. Where mm. are we over here? I can't figure, I can't even figure out. So what am I doing that way? Yeah, uh, that that little barn that's called barn bluff and as soon as i got there i'm like that's going to catch light that thing i can't get it's not going to really show up on a wide angle lens but if i can crop that little section of scene into a bigger lens then i can get things like that yeah cool so that was just you know a couple of minutes later so yeah you're 100 right it is an amazing thing to look at landscapes within landscapes and I think it's something if I was taught earlier in my career, I think I would have got better quicker. Um, it took me a while to figure out that that and exposing for the light you see. Yes. Uh, they were the two golden things, I think, that sort of molded me into a better photographer. Yeah, now that, that's, a, that's a probably topic for a whole other podcast is um, mm. setting, setting correct exposure uh, for the yeah. light that you're seeing yeah. uh, and not blowing out highlights or killing shadows. Um, yeah it's it's in some regards that can only be taught with practice you yeah. know um yeah because it always changes i mean look at the scene behind me you know the how how the, the, there's there's mottled light there's scattered yeah. highlights yeah. how do you meter for that Shad shad shadows on the trees and shadows all that sort of stuff so um but your but your, but your daughter learned it very early remember that video how good's the light dad so <laughs> yes that light is like, getting so good yeah but that you're right and 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 teaching people to see that light different and expose different, yeah, it's it's more practice than than teachings. But well, uh, the, the, I think the point being that there is no correct way. I mean, it's mm. what it, it, it's it's looking at a scene, interpreting, interpreting, interpreting mm. how you want that scene to come across through the lens mm. um, in your image, yeah. and then setting your settings accordingly to to do that. Yeah, um, and I've been guilty uh, a lot of late really of just defaulting back to program mode, which is mm. fine. Like that, that, cause I've, I've sort of, because I've been, haven't been shooting as much over the last couple of years, 
Um, I go back to program mode mainly so I can, pardon the pun, focus on composition yeah. and get my groove back with composition because I think this is going to become a real catch cry for us and that is composition is everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. you got to thank, thank Jenny for that last week. Yes. Um, yeah, you're right. Com- composition is everything. Um, and with composition obviously comes good exposures and good light and all that kind of stuff and interest. Yep. But if you can, if you can get a composition that starts real easy and I teach this on the, on the workshops, I mentioned it last week as well, that uh, the cat, I call it C-A-T. Yes. So composition, number one, get your composition, get there early, get a composition, look for one, hunt for one, stick to it, choose your aperture. So you can sort of sort out your depth of field and how much you want. And then time of day or time of year is everything. Those three rules is it's like ninety yeah. percent of the job done. Yes. So I complete. I'd say ninety five percent. Yeah, it is. You're exactly right. It's um, it's one of those things with with composition. I, I I do like the idea or the thought of getting one composition and and working it to death. Yeah. I can't do it. I, yeah. I, it maybe it's a form of OCD I have. I'm not sure. But when yeah. I'm in a an area like if I was there where you are at Cradle. Mate, I, we'd be I drinking know, beer, probably. But I'd, I'd, I'd be, um, I'd be going nuts and and trying to get it all because I know if I go to Tassie, I'm yeah. only going to be there for a very limited amount of time. Whereas yeah. someone like yourself who lives there, you can have a bit more freedom because you yeah. can look and go. Well, I, I know I'm going to be back here. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas someone like me, it'll just be like, man, yeah. I reckon I that that's uh, your first photo. I reckon I'd be in that area alone and take 500 photos. Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's the thing. Like on the weekend, we, we went up there to, um, you know, to really spend time in the forest and we did get in the forest. There's a forest shot there. Yeah. Nice. It's pretty cool. But we just kept getting these kind of conditions. Yeah. Oh, uh, you poor buggers. Yeah, I know. So it was tough going, yeah. but um, yeah, you're right. It's it, composition you've got to work with, but it is hard when you're limited, especially if you're traveling. Uh, and that's the same like with the workshops, people come like we've only got four or five days together. And you might only be at Cradle Mountain for a day. You've got to nail what you can. But um, I think the more you practice and the more you get out there, and sometimes I think you see compositions, they sort of transfer into different scenes. So same composition, I guess, make up completely different scenes. So, you know, the leading lines, the horizons, you know, the different things that are working for it. So you can take a photo like this at Cradle Mountain, but you can easily incorporate that down to Ocean Grove along the beach with a path or something like that with a tree on this side and a mountain or a cloud or something on that side or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Le- learning that stuff. Exactly. Learning that stuff is, is practice makes perfect. Um, mm. And I, I always use the analogy. I'm, I'm a, you know, we, this is no secret. Uh, Cam and I both don't mind around a golf. And the funny thing is when I practice golf, when I go to the driving range, the more I play, what do you know? The better I get it. The you win thing. You win compositions, competitions like it did. Compositions today. I win. <laughs> <laughs> and competitions. And competitions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things. You're not, you, if you keep your camera at the ready at all times, yeah. um, in the car, charged up, memory card in, all that yeah. sort of stuff, happy days. I've even got to the point where I say to people, just if you want to go through a period of growth with your photography, have your camera visible, leave it on the kitchen table, leave it on somewhere where you're going to see it and pick it up. That's how I change my aperture. That's how I change my shutter speed. This is how I change my ISO. This is exposure compensation, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that when you are in the field 
and you are um, confronted, confronted, no, you're faced with a gorgeous scene like Cam's got there or what I've got here. Yeah. It's second nature. I yeah. know how to capture that. Because, yeah. you know, and then it really can, all your energy and effort goes into those yeah. compositions and building it's, those. It's great that you say that because I find on each trip I do, the first, so my, my rule on the trip, so if anyone wants to come on a workshop with me, the first session we do, which is usually the first night or the first sunset, I don't really help much at all. I sit back and I observe. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that person's doing something that way. That person's doing that way, that one, that way. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mold them all into doing something very similar, which is exactly what you said, knowing where their exposure compensation is, knowing how to change aperture, knowing where their self timer is. And within the first, the first day and a half of our, our trips are getting to know each other, getting to know some locations, taking a few snaps, you know, if there's something really good going on, then I'll just dial in their settings for them and say, hey, you've got to get this. But by the sort of second, third and fourth day, everyone, it's, everyone's sort of working together in the same method. Yep. And you go from people panicking, you see it, like they go from, oh my God, this is amazing, this scene behind us, how do I get it? To like, hey, I'm here, I've got plenty of time to set up, I found my composition, Cam said to use these kind of settings, I'm ready to go. And then we just wait. And it just yeah. works. And then I try and get them to say, look, try and find a couple of other compositions looking all different ways in case the light changes. Yeah. And, and then you're set, you're ready then. And it's amazing to see that transition. You can do it in just about a week's time from that panicked photographer looking through their camera and their settings more than looking at what's going on up there yeah. to, hey, we're here, we're early, we're ready to go, bring it on. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's awesome to watch. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not sure we stuck with landscapes within landscapes there. We sort of went on a bit of a few tangents, but that's good. That is good. But that's yeah, landscapes are landscapes. Yes. Yeah. But I think I think I think it all I think it all ties in together because if once you start seeing once you start seeing landscapes within landscapes, to me, once you start seeing them, you're on a different level of composition. You're seeing well, not, I suppose saying landscapes within landscapes is a bit of a misnomer. It's more seeing imagery within a landscape. So you know, by definition, a landscape photo is, I would have thought, the a wide, you know, what yeah. you've got, what we've got going on behind us rather than a zoomed in part of the, but that that just enhances your photographic experience and definitely your knowledge yeah. when you get into those habits. And it might be that you're waiting for light. So while you're sitting there waiting for light, you might as well be taking photos, right? So yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, know, you might as well get that big lens out and yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, I guess, I guess the next question to that is like, people are going to ask, well, what, what size lens do I need? You know, yeah. Do I, do I need a 500 mil lens to do landscape photography? The answer is no, you don't. Of course you I, don't. I find, you know, sort of anywhere from like 150 up to 300 is just, just enough to get you past that wide angle stage. Yep. Um, even, even a 90 mil works, you know, just something, yeah. something that gets you a little bit deeper into that scene. Yeah. And for, for those of you who are um, new to the scene or are still, you know, a few years ago, went to your local camera store and bought that twin lens kit, which is always yeah, yeah. eighteen to fifty-five, and then a fifty-five, 55 to two hundred, two fifty. Yeah, yeah. You know that fifty-five to two fifty lens that sits in your bag and gathers dust because all you've been doing is taking photos at Christmas time with your wide angle and yeah. photos of the kids. Yeah, get that thing out, and yeah. you'll be amazed at what it can do for you, even in fairly ordinary light. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't have to well, be that's incredible light. That's the thing. You can you can still chuck it on a tripod. Um, yeah. One thing that I found is a bit of a common occurrence on trips is that people bring out that kit lens or they've got their bigger lens, but they don't have a polarizer for it. Yeah. 
So either you've got to buy a polarizer for that lens as well, or you've got to buy a filter system that can interchange between lenses yeah. and things like that. So, you know, the polarizer still works if you're shooting into scenes. So you can still, it's, it has the same effect. You're just shooting closer to things. So yeah, make sure you bring that, um, that polarizer as well. Yeah, it can be very, very useful when you're out in the field. Mm. Um, That's a good topic. Yeah, we, it'll no doubt re rear its head again at some point in our yeah. podcast journey. Um, I wanted to change tack a little bit. And um, so where I live here on the Ballerine Peninsula, the beautiful... Now, before you Ballerine. get going, before yes. you get going, is, yes. do we need to put a disclaimer? This is another sort of rant. It's sounding like it's going to be a rant. Uh, it's a little one. It, it's it, it annoyed me. Um, we, we need this. This is this has become a segment. This is Brendan's has. rant. I've got dear yeah. Cam. You've yeah. got Brendan's rant. I so think. Brendan tees off. Brendan, there you go. <laughs> I love it. All Something right. like that. Anyway, put, nah, put, the, uh, put the ball on the tee and let's go. Oh, this 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 annoyed me because um, anyway, the, the, down here in uh, on the Ballerine, there's a little town called Queenscliff. Mm -hmm. um, Wonderful. It's its own borough, actually. Its own. It's the borough of Queenscliff. It's outside of the city of Greater Geelong. Right, Don't know okay. what that's got to do with anything, but it's a beautiful little town. They've got um, a, a magnificent little um, uh, jetty there. They've got yeah. a marina there. It's a very old town. Like there's mm. beautiful old buildings. There's a lot of autumn colours there as well. It was a bit. Um, of a, it was. A, it got a bit of history there as well. With yeah, World War Two yeah. and things like all, that. All that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, cool. Yeah, there's a couple of forts there and old lighthouses and stuff. It's really cool. Anywho, um, there's a photographic competition. Sorry, I beg your pardon. It's an art prize and it has a photographic section in it. Yep. Um, that's being run down there. Uh, great. All for that sort of stuff and, and, and running competitions and stuff. However, when I clicked on their link to, and because it's open to professionals and amateurs as a professional section, I thought, oh, that's yeah, pretty okay. cool. Like there's, because yeah. quite often photographic competitions, they exclude professionals. Yeah, or, um, they, or they exclude the, the uh, amateurs as well. Well, that's right. And in this case, it's open to all and they've got a section for professionals. I thought, oh, that's actually pretty cool. I've got some good shots from Queenscliff. Maybe I'll enter. Yeah. Then I found out they're charging. $165 for you to enter one image into that competition. $165 to enter just to, one image. To enter one image into the competition. Now not, not like it, not like entering, you know, $160, you can enter eight images. Per image, $165 per image, which sort of it stopped me dead in my trash. Well, I'm not entering that. Like yeah. What's going on there? Now, I, I, I did look a bit further, and yes, there is prize money involved. So obviously, they've got to make that make prize make money. money for the prize money. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if I was more researched, I'd tell you what the prizes were. But point being, really, one hundred and sixty-five yeah. bucks for you know to it just it just didn't seem right to me, and it seemed like a bit of profiteering from well, what, I guess what, what essentially should be you know. Uh, a competition that you enter and in the hope that you might, you know, that some people might appreciate your work. I guess they've got to cover costs and things like that. And yes, and whatever else. Um, yes. Are they putting all, are they putting on something like, is it, uh, you know, is it like, is it all going into a, you so know, whatever it is like a gallery what they're or, or what they're a, doing an exhibition is, or something? Or? So on the, um, it's called the Queenscliff art prize and it is on the Queenscliff jetty. They are actually putting, uh, printed versions of the winning 
uh, entry, or I don't know if it's the winning entries or all the entries, yeah. and they display them along the side of the jetty, which is pretty right. cool. That is um, cool. Yeah, but I'm just not sure why <laughs> you would pay that much to 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 do it. So, and is this is this the first year they're running it, or is it a no? New this year? has a, they did have a crack at it a few years ago, I think, on the other side of COVID. Um, right. Do you know what? I actually can't even see where there's a um, like if you win a prize, uh, it doesn't right. say anything. Uh, it's just I think it just basically the prize is you get your artwork shown on the uh, on the jetty. Yeah. Now I'm all for um, pushing art, and um, you know I'm all for uh, you know pe- people being involved in showing off their artwork and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand um how they can charge so much to enter yeah i'm I'm just i'm just reading through some of the details of this and yeah um yeah that's interesting um uh, yeah the the conclusion at the conclusion their intention is to work with a local charity and sell these unique exhibition panels for 200 dollars each right so with 50 percent being returned to the artist (laughs) okay and 50 percent going to the, the the charity so if you enter $165 and you do okay, I guess, if they have a finalist or they have a shortlist, mm-hmm. they're going to try and sell that for 200 bucks. So you might get a hundred bucks of your money back. Yeah. But that's if only if they buy it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Is I could be being really naive here. Is it more about um, just encouraging people to show off their artwork and these are the costs involved so they do it? Or is, is this, I don't think this is a, not-for-profit organization um it is a business called the queenscliff art prize so i think i think i've got i'm gonna i don't know how much you've looked into this but i'm gonna shock you even more yeah so the entrance is 165 dollars to enter right but then you need to also pay 110 dollars on top of that to produce the artwork (laughs) that is for the panels right so the total cost to enter one artwork is 275 dollars that's um that's Okay. That's a that's an interesting way of doing it. Interesting um, is a good word for it. I, I, it sounds to me like they've got photographic portrait landscape and open categories and also digital art. So there you go. It seems it does seem a bit on the high end, like things like the Epson Panel Awards and you know um, the, all the other ones that are out there that we know of. Um, like they they generally charge you maybe twenty bucks an image to enter, or sometimes it's forty or fifty bucks depending on the competition. But they also then do give you a fair bit of prize money at the end or you know you win quite a bit of stuff at the end um i don't know but it seems to me that the prize of this is that you get to potentially sell your work to charity and get a hundred dollars back so yeah yeah admirable admirable, absolutely supporting charities admirable yeah are we gonna get are we gonna get in trouble for talking about this the queens the queenscliff gonna no i don't i don't know Whatever. I mean, I don't. I, don't I, I know what you were going to say there. I don't know. I don't <laughs> they can go their hardest. This is an opinion piece. I, so, I, I just, I just think it seems a bit over the top to well, have to pay that much to. Uh, to well, have I think your, the, your the work other displayed. the other thing that's interesting about for photo competitions, and this is where you probably need to dig a bit deeper across the board, is that mm. you know it's all fine to enter a photo competition or an art competition, but where where your art ends up. And what they can use it for is also another one. I've just noticed there that um, the artist own, you know, it says artist copyright there. The artist owns supplied digital images will not be used in any other way without express approval from the artist. Uh, we photograph each finished art panel, blah, blah, blah. These photos we use on social media. So it sounds like, you know, they're not going to use it anywhere else. 
which is yeah. good. But some yeah. ones, some of the competitions you enter is uh, we reserve the right to use these images yes. for yes. future future promotions. And and there have been some very well known corporations that mm. have run photographic competitions purely yeah. because they want to source images, uh, imagery at no yeah. cost to them. Uh, yeah. And then the poor photographer loses all their rights to the image. And yeah. next yeah. thing you know, a big multinational corporation is splashing your image across the world. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, I, I have an issue with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a different, it seems like it's a bit more of a left field type of, it's still a competition, but it, it's art prize. I don't know, like, oh, what's yeah. the prize? Like, like the prize, yeah. it seems a bit lead, misleading that you're going to win something. Yeah. Um, there is no, yeah. there are no prizes as far as I can ascertain. Yeah, the, the, yeah. And and look seriously, all, all the best to them. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it clearly ain't for me, but yeah. <laughs> as I say, this is purely an opinion piece. So yeah. yeah. Well, just 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 to just if anyone is interested in entering it, it says here that your entry will support the Endeavour Foundation by funding an exhibition of Australian artists with intellectual disabilities on the Queen's Cliff Pier. So it is going going to a good cause yeah, for a good reason. Of very um, but yeah, that, that's expensive, um, yeah, and a, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people wanting to enter photographic competitions, don't have a hundred or don't have two hundred dollars to put aside to enter and then produce or pay for the work as well. So yeah, yeah, um, that's an interesting one. And yeah, yeah the, you got to be careful with competitions. Like I said, check the entry price, check the prize, but check where your images go. But yeah, um, having said that, um, last year we ran the Beaker Street science festival down here we which, sure did we talked about it on episode we did nine. we did talk about it say <laughs> i tell you what it's probably episode wouldn't be far off if you get that right it, 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 it was around impressive. it was around then yeah um so it's happening again it happens uh start of august uh for a couple of weeks uh but the beaker street science photo prize uh competition whatever you want to call it that'll be on again um i think entries will start opening later this uh, month early next month and then close sometime towards the end of June, I think. Will uh, we have, we have a link in the description, or uh, it has to wait. Uh, we'll wait. We'll probably do a, probably a bit more of a, a heavier promotion of it when it comes out. But uh, I'll be judging again for the third year in a row, third or fourth year in a row, which is a real privilege. Um, nice one. It, it is only open to Tasmanian residents, so that's a bit of a, a, a footnote we need to put in there for people that listen. Um, but it is good, and you know, if you go onto the Beaker Street, uh, BeakerStreet.com.au, they had last year's winners on there. It's really cool science photographs, but it's not just all insects and bugs and plants. You know, it can be you know rocks and landscapes and water movements. There's anything that's scientific it can be used. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so that'll be coming out. We'll put out some more details about that uh, once we get uh, it all released. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it's that it is a very cool. I remember last year. Um, we might have even done the live show. We cycled. We through. did do a live show, and we did cycle yeah. through. You're right. Yeah. yeah. No, they were they were very very cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Beaker Street, um, photo comp. Stay tuned for that one. Um, I it was remiss of me off not off the top of the show, but it's fine because I know he would have listened all the way through because he listens to every episode. Um, I was lucky enough to meet up with possibly our number one ticket holder today. Mel was Kelsey. in. <laughs> not no? Chelsea, oh. not yet. Ma oh. Mel, you got some competition. Uh, Mel was in town, was in Ocean Grove. Um, yes. He uh, ordered a few memory cards off me and came and picked them up. And yep. we uh, we had a coffee and we had a very, very good chat. Mel is from Myrtleford uh, yes. in, I suppose, the foothills of the high country in Victoria. Beautiful, Beautiful part of the world. Magnificent yes. part of the world. Uh, Mel's an absolute gentleman who um, is a very good listener because uh, I just – 
rabbited on like I normally do, even on this show. And um, <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a good old time. Mel's hitting the Great Ocean Road, so uh, yeah. he he got me to point out a few spots on a local map of places around here that he could photograph, and also uh, places when he gets mm. further along, Lawn, uh, Port Campbell, Port Ferry, all these places. Beautiful. So it's yeah, funny it was, though. Um, I spoke to Mel. Um, Mel ordered uh, some merchandise from my other side of the business the other day, which I sent out. And thank you again, Mel. Um, but it was really interesting. I spoke to him on the phone. Lovely guy. You've met him. Lovely guy. I'm yet to meet him, but will I think soon. It just surprises me that he shoots cannon. I just don't get it. Like <laughs> he just seems like such a nice guy. Everything works really well until he pulls. Until he mentions his cannon. Oh, so I think, was... yeah, I think uh, like Chelsea. Have we mentioned Chelsea? I shoot. You should, you should everything. Um, Chelsea, yeah. who uh, we need to give a shout out for Chelsea. G'day, Chelsea. Chelsea, who? Oh, hi, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea. Uh, at yeah. Chow Maybell, uh, which is her Instagram <laughs> handle. Um, she she shoots Olympus. So, like her, you know, Mel, Mel could get in that inner sanctum of uh, Olympus users if you wanted um, to. The artist formerly known as um, right. I'm, the I'm camera still. system for minute. Uh, one thing we don't often mention on, on the pod is if Cannon. You want us to talk about something? By all means, hit us up. Give us a put a comment below if you. So photographic related that is. I was going to say, can we clarify that it has to be about photographic stuff? Yeah, we. Who knows what Chelsea might bring up? Um, I would uh, reiterate if you have got a subject, something you might be struggling with, um, something that you might find is a bit difficult, or just something that we haven't talked about uh, in the previous thirty-nine episodes of the Down South Photo Show. Uh, by all means, um, mm. we're always looking for things to talk about on this show as well. Uh, yeah. Not that we ever struggle to to fill the time, but um, there's so yeah. many so many topics we can talk about. But uh, it would be awesome if you want us to talk about something. Yeah, it'd be good if there if there's something that's really eating away at someone in their photography landscape, photography that they just can't nail, or they keep coming back to it, or it's you know the same problem each time they get a file or something like that. Yeah, yeah let us know. Chuck us an email, you know, make, yeah, well, it a we, dear, make it a dear camera or a friend's exactly. rant or whatever it might be. <laughs> we have a few hundred listeners. So chances are yeah. if you're battling with it, someone else is going to be battling with the same thing. So yeah. by all means, yeah. drop us a line. It is time for everyone's favourite uh, segment on the Down South Photo Show, and that is Deer Camp. Yeah. It's, I don't think it every, is everyone's favourite segment, but we just it just sounds good to say that. Yeah, uh, that's where we need to do, you know, now it's time for everyone's least favourite segment. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan's rant. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Cheryl from WA. Hi, yes. Cheryl. Um, Dear not Cam. Chelsea. Not Chelsea. It's Cheryl. Who's Dear yeah. Cam? When a lens doesn't have a manual focus switch, is there a quicker way to switch between manual and autofocus? And do you suggest using focus peaking in manual focus? Hang on. This is a two-parter. I don't know about this. This is we can't, This is a two for one here. She's let's start w. with the, Cheryl's from WA. So Cheryl, let's start with the um, first one. When a lens doesn't have a manual focus <laughs> switch, is there a quicker way to is there a quicker way to switch between manual and autofocus, Cameron? So this is a question that came up uh, on our little getaway um, up to Cradle Mountain. Cheryl, what's was, what's Cheryl shooting with? Cheryl shooting with the Olympus OM One Mark Three. Lovely. So she's using she was using a sixty mil macro lens um, and. It was a question that popped up when she was doing uh, macro photography that on the 60 mil macro lens and some other lenses across all brands, uh, usually lens have a little switch on there on the barrel to say go from manual focus to autofocus, uh, which Brenda might demonstrate here or the Olympus ones. There's yeah. a little switch right there. Little switch there that you can switch. That little, look at that horrible little Canon kit lens. 
Canon. You should give, give that away to Mel. Sure. Yeah. I don't even know why I've got it. Anyway. Um, so, and on the Olympus ones, it's a little coupling that slides up or down. So, but some lenses don't actually have that autofocus, manual focus switch. And a lot of question is, well, how the hell do you get from manual focus to autofocus and vice versa? And the simple answer is, um, well, unless you're using Nikon, it's probably not that simple, but the simple answer is <laughs> you'll have to go through your menu system to change it over from autofocus to manual focus. So yes. on the Olympus or OM Digital um, and most other brands, it's usually in your, in your main menu where you can just go through and change autofocus to manual focus. Um, so it's more of an electronic changeover as opposed to a manual switch. Um, so if, you folk, if you're struggling with that or you've just got a lens, and I've seen it, people have lenses like, I never shoot manual focus. Like, oh, why not? Because I can't find how to change it into manual focus. <laughs> um, it's probably buried in your, in your menu system. Um, most of them are on that straight, like you, you mentioned last week about the Q button and yep. there's an I button and then there's the super menu for the OM digital cameras. I'm yep. not sure what Sony's, is. it's an okay button or something like that, but it'll be in um, your sort of... So I have a uh, AF switch right there. Yep. Yes. So it's a big AF and you can just push that, yep. roll the toggle switch and it goes between AF and MF, which is yeah, cool. cool. Yep. So there you that's, go. that's the so, way. So, so some of them will have them on the body as well as a separate button as well. Yes, correct. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's that's the easy way to find it. Um, if you can't find manual focus on your lens and camera, um, read the manual. Yes. It'll be um, in there. Now, I could be wrong, but I think I'm correct in saying that on some Olympi, is that the plural for Olympuses? Artists, artists formerly known as. Um, can't you uh, customize one of the buttons to do it? You can. You can customize the hell out of them. Um, yes. I didn't want to go down that road because there's a lot of customization things. <laughs> Please don't ask me a question about how to customize your camera. Oh no, um, that's that that that. That's no, personal. You, that's personal. You can't customize someone else's <laughs> camera. You, you can't. I, I think you've got to actually uh, solve the Hellraiser puzzle before you can yeah. actually change it. <laughs> change do. change it on uh, on Olympus. So the, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot going on there, but I think um, from memory that you can change it on. Oh, there's a couple of dials or buttons on the Olympus that you can. Yeah, you there can is there is some. You can, you can customize it. between. Yeah, manual and auto, but yeah. Also, some uh, lenses, and I know the brand that we bang on a lot, a lot bang on a lot about also have a manual manual focus clutch yes, on the that, lens that's that's what i was talking about with the yes. olympus ones yeah yeah, yeah. um they which do is, that which is really them. cool you just well yeah it is, re- it is really cool one thing to keep an eye on if anyone is an olympus user and they're listening um sometimes people pull those lenses out of their bag and, and a little coupling has slid back into manual focus there <laughs> yes is. uh and they, they think their lens is broken that just check that because that's a real easy way and some people get really frustrated with that so. i had a customer come in uh oh it was a while back now and yeah i I've, i had a brain fart and just totally forgot about the manual yeah. focus clutch on the olympus lenses and we were searching. We could not work out why would this thing not autofocus? Like, because it's what we're doing everything right. Yeah, can, yeah. It, it, you know, when we manually focused, it was working really well. But then yeah. I just stood there in front of this guy and just went click. And he went, oh, that's right. It, it happens a lot. It does yeah. happen a lot. So, yeah. Uh, cool. Was there, there was a second part to that, wasn't there? Do you suggest using focus peaking in manual focus? Uh, for those of you who don't know what focus peaking is, Cameron, would you like to shed some light on that? 
Mm, sure. Uh, focus peaking. <laughs> focus peaking is where it's a little bit. What's the easiest? It's a it's a it's an electronic way or on your screen a digital way where it'll show you on the screen when everything is in focus or not in focus. Um, the easiest way to explain it is that you can turn focus peaking on in your camera, and it does like a little red outline or green outline or yellow outline around all all the bits and pieces of your shot to show where it's in focus. And when you out when you move the focus away from that point. Those those red lines and dots all disappear. So it's a it's a guide to your to your manual focusing. And I, I would suggest, especially if you're doing macro stuff, if you're doing really small precise stuff, the the, the manual focus peaking just it makes it a hell of a lot easier. It takes a lot of stress out of trying to get that focus yeah. right. And it also, which is also really cool. I'm pretty sure this is across the board with most cameras. But when you shut the aperture down, when your depth of field gets bigger, you can see in that focus peaking, you can see the focus. Uh, plane actually grow and, and shrink based on what your aperture is so it'll show you what's getting captured in that depth of field and not getting captured so i would suggest yes um at all times and a lot of people do use focus peaking even for large landscape scenes as well um, so if you've got it and you can turn it on it's something else you might have to turn on in your camera um, but focus peaking certainly does help pinpoint that focus See, because uh, there must be a few different ways to focus speak because isn't the uh, the other way you can literally just zoom the image up on the screen as well? Yeah, some of them, um, some of them you can actually, well, uh, yeah, some of them you when uh, I'll work on the OM cameras because I know them pretty well. So yeah. when you when you go into manual focus and you turn the focus, it yeah. automatic you can set the camera to automatically zoom in 100% right. or, or 200%. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and then what it does, it'll pick up uh, your focus there and you can then move your little square around and, focus in all different load, little bits of your, of your shot here. So for example, the tree here, you can put your focus point there and then manually focus and it'll zoom in onto that section and show you the trunk of the tree and you can do the manual focusing. So, yeah. but you, and some cameras you can change to how much magnification you can go in and out. My only advice about that is in my experience, is just be careful. You know, some people go, oh, I, would, I want to zoom into 1% of that tree to make sure the focus is right. But then you start getting like noise off the screen because the screens are only relatively low resolution. And yep. sometimes it's really hard to pick up through the grain or the, the grain or the resolution of the, of the camera screen versus the focusing peaking. So it gets a bit tricky sometimes. So I don't always zoom in. I, I might zoom in like one notch just to make sure it's all okay. Yep. Yep. Good. Good cool. advice. Thanks. If you have a deer cam question, you know what to do. Send it to us. Uh, comment below. Send us a thingy. You know, what are they called? An email, something like that. Um, yep. We will happily incorporate it into the show. Um, what have we got coming up, Cam? What's your week ahead looking like? Um, week ahead, I've actually picked up a funny little job today. Yesterday. Okay, it's, today? It says, it says on the run sheet. Today or yesterday, Lisa? Yesterday. Yes. I've got my assistant in the background. Um, yesterday, I got, an email, I got an email from this company that does these really sort of, I won't give it away too much, because I don't think I can, but they um, they do these really cool little accommodation things. And they said, oh, we need someone to go like that today. They wanted me to go that day. And I'm like, can't do that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going tomorrow for uh, one night, possibly two nights. And I've got to do some drone photography and I've got to do some stills and a few other things and get them back. So, yeah, it's a really interesting little job. Um, and the turnaround is really quick though. They want, they want photos back in 48 hours from after I get back. Yep. So yeah, so I'll be doing that. It's very off the grid as well. It's sort of, it's cool. You'll find out. 
once I get it I'm, all done. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, yeah, possibly even seeing some some of the results. That'll be cool. Yeah. And you, what's going on with Brendan? News. Um, I have uh, a new staff member starting oh. at Camera and Photo, so I'm very excited. You're giving um, them a shout out. Is it Chelsea? <laughs> it's Chelsea? not Chelsea, and, and I'm not naming this person because. Yes. Uh, they might That's, not work out, but you know, <laughs> are they going to be watching? Yeah, they're going to go uh, back and watch this. They're going to go back and say, "I started working on the twenty sixth of May." Yeah, hang on a minute. Let me just go check that episode. That's right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, it's I, I've been holding out for uh, what I consider to be the right vibe from a yeah. staff member. It's, yeah, important it's important to have yeah, when you when you run a small business. It's important to have good front. Um, front of house people yeah and uh, that's what uh, this person certainly has shown so far so with any luck um mm. we can have this new person up and running pretty quickly at camera and photo um are they a, are they a photographer in their own right in their own they right? are they are a photographer studying visual arts Ooh, so good, good. Um, which is great and they know their way around photoshop and things like that cool. um is that and, sorry did, did you say that's the ocean grove store that is the Ocean Grove store. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's exciting. That's good. Is that yeah, it is good. Is it's that... good for a lot of reasons, um, mm. mainly because for the last three or four months, I have been working a lot um, yes. and not able to take a break without having to physically close the store, Yeah. which is a real bummer. I, I, I feel I hate doing that. Um, mm. But when, <laughs> when you've only got one pair of hands and it's, you know, yeah. you're... And, one thing about running camera and photo, and of course it is a compliment, and that is that when people come into camera and photo, they really only want to talk to one person. Yeah, um, and, and Chelsea's never Chelsea's never there. That's so right, they're... because I'm the I'm the face of the operation, and I get that. That's as I say, I, I find that that is a compliment. Yeah. However, <laughs> there's yep. only you know I've only got one pair of hands, and yep. um, well, that, that's 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 exciting. Is that is. does that mean your quota of staff is to a level now before pandemic? thing or uh no we're still unders um we we will probably we'll just see how things go but um hopefully i'll be able to uh, put on even more staff yeah um and one other little thing i i am developing something pretty cool in the workshop space um Mm, i've heard a snippet of this yes which i have run past mr blake over there and uh he it got his stamp of approval so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for a small so, commission <laughs> so we'll um yeah, yeah and and that is definitely something i want to explore but we'll talk more about that in another episode yeah that's exciting awesome yeah, it is it is good um things things are starting to happen mm. in a really positive way after a couple of absolutely shizenhausen years yeah i was having a chat today to oscar this young boy uh his mum was there obviously because he's a young critter and we're t- teaching him but we're talking about you know workshops and tours and how it's getting back to some somewhat normal and getting bookings through into next year, which is great. So it is starting to sound like it's a little bit normal. Um, hopefully it stays that way. Hopefully nothing. This month was it monkey pox. Is that the next thing? Oh, for God's sake. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm not locking down for monkey no, pox. I'm, I'm not taking down. monkey pox head on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, 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 let's uh, footnote this uh, episode and come back and have a look in about five years when Brendan's swinging yeah. from a tree. That's right. Um, <laughs> so thanks for joining us on episode 40 of the down South photo show. Um, mm. We will see you next week for episode 41. Cameron, uh, you got anything else to add or would you like to sign off? Uh, we'll, we'll sign off. I think, I think, we, I think how, long we, how long have we gone? I have no idea. 
56 minutes. You know what? We this this is a little inside gossip for the people that we listen. We listen, yeah. they listen. If someone listens, um, we don't time these. We just have a little bit of a very vague running sheet. Yeah. But every week we get under an hour. I don't know how we do it. And yeah, it's like I think we just get bored after about an hour. <laughs> I think so. an hour is my attention span. Mm. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> no, nah. um, the only last thing I want to mention is a shout out to Chelsea. Um, I don't Chelsea. know. Yeah, she's a okay. uh, new new listener. Yeah, she. I think she's been around for a while. She she got a little bit offended that I didn't mention her in every episode. So fair chance now because of that, we will mention her in every episode. We might even create a Chelsea segment. I don't know. I'm having a Chelsea background next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On that note, I'm done. <laughs> See you for episode 41 next week. Bye. See you guys. Bye.